0: The opening hymn was so appropriate for the first of January, Come let us anew our journey pursue. Roll round with the year and never stand still till the Master appear. As Latter-day Saints, those words have special meaning to us. They echo a theme about this journey of life that has characterized our entire dispensation. No toil nor labor fear, but with joy wend your way. These stirring words inspired the early pioneer saints who traveled west to find a sanctuary for religious freedom. This year, throughout the Church, we observe the sesquicentennial of that great westward trek with a celebration that has been titled Faith in Every Footstep. Today, the headquarters of the Church is in this desert valley that the pioneers settled. It's also the setting for the 2002 Olympics, and at this southern point, home to Brigham Young University. The spirit that characterized the pioneer era is very much a part of our lives today. At the beginning of this new year, most of us have closed our journals on 1996 and have opened new ones. Before us are blank pages to be filled in day by day as we each give shape to the year 1997. The first of January is usually marked by the tradition of making resolutions those always well-intentioned lists of what we're going to do differently in the months ahead. A scripture in 1 Thessalonians can be a good guide for us in this process. In this verse, the Apostle Paul praises the Saints of Thessalonica, remembering without ceasing their work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. I like Paul's choice of words in commending those Saints. To me, it speaks as a powerful reminder of our need to set priorities and to center our work, labor, and patience of hope in Jesus Christ, to believe in him and in his ways enough to abandon selfish inclinations and develop direction in our spiritual journey. This scripture makes some interesting connections. Work is tied to faith. Labor is associated with love and patience is woven to hope. This juxtaposition points out that what we do is balanced by how we do it. The ordinary tasks of work, labor, and patience are transformed into faith, love, and hope in Jesus Christ when we realize that it is through these seemingly commonplace tasks that we bring glory to our Father. In my message tonight, I want to focus on the quality of patience. What kind of patience was Paul speaking of in this scripture? I don't think that the, the praise was for standing calmly in the checkout line or a passive acceptance of their circumstances. Rather, I envision patience of hope as an active part of a testimony of Jesus Christ. Patience of hope in Jesus Christ demonstrates our understanding that there is more to existence than just today, more than our current problems, more than what we need or want now. This form of patience is often described in terms like serenity, peace, quiet resolve, and dignity. Patience displays confidence that not my will but thine be done that all things will be accomplished in the Lord's way. We should not make the mistake of viewing patience as being idle, indifferent, apathetic, or nonchalant. Patience does not abdicate responsibility, nor does it simply give us a seat on the sideline of events. Patience brings balance and perspective. Think about it. We need patience most when things seem out of control or out of step with what we had intended. Patience has to be applied immediately, and often to wounds that are slow to heal. In contrast, impatience is to try to assert our own timetable on life to assume that we know more than God knows. What folly! This impatience with our earthly experience is a signal that we are not sure of God's omniscience and a rebuke of the view of life. As a time to prepare to meet God, patience isn't given as much attention as other virtues. I want to share two scriptures that I like because they don't isolate patience, but rather they place it in a context of other merits. The first is from Alma, in which he describes the greatest of personal virtues I would that ye should be humble and be submissive and gentle, easy to be entreated, full of patience and long suffering. Being temperate in all things, being diligent in keeping the commandments of God at all times. The Doctrine and Covenants also places patience in good company. Remember faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, brotherly kindness, godliness, charity, humility, diligence. We should all have such good company. Many of you in attendance tonight stand at the threshold of your adult lives. At this critical crossroad, you can actively choose these rich qualities that are of good report or praiseworthy, or you can be distracted by the need to prepare to make all the money you can as quickly as you can. Being patient with your lives, your experiences, the Lord's will for you can be a turning point. Exercising patience now in your daily life prepares you for that which is ahead. As I mentioned in the beginning, we are now writing Chapter 1997 in our journals. Just like the scripture in Thessalonians, many personal journal accounts speak of work, labor, and patience. Because this is a year of celebrating the pioneers who crossed the plains, I want to draw an example from the journal of Ruth May, a young teenage convert who boarded a ship in Britain bound for America in 1867. Her story weaves a patience of hope in Jesus Christ with the effort to gather in Zion. She wrote of the excitement at the dock as the huge steamer slipped out to sea. It was an exhilarating moment, filled with thoughts of the future and how good it would be. You've had such moments when the world was before you, when you felt the energy of something new and challenging. And yet, There were also many days when the immigrant ship, Louisiana, dipped dangerously low with the swells of the sea. The old ship rolled and tossed, Ruth wrote, of the inevitable storm, but fear I had none. We were Mormons, our family at least, going to Zion, and no ship would think of going down with such a precious cargo. Did she not have hope in Jesus Christ? When they reached America, Ruth's father joined his family of five and their newly acquired one yoke of oxen with another brother who had a wagon but was short a yoke of oxen. Ruth May wrote, There were 14 of us with our worldly possessions all in one wagon. My father bought a small tent, just large enough for the five of us to lie down side by side like sardines in a can. Ruth's company of Mormons was one of many who made their way west with few incidents. Other than one birth, she said, and an accidental death of a bullet by a bullet when a man was shooting sage hens. our journey across the plains seems to have been rather lacking in perilous adventure, but was always interesting. We know Brigham Young's first response when he gazed from the canyon crest to the valley he had seen in a dream was, this is the right place. Twenty years later, Ruth May reached a similar summit, and she gazed out upon the desert valley below. Let me read her account. Our last pull was through Parley's Canyon and up to the top of the hill. This was accomplished at twilight, and here we got our first glimpse of the little city of Salt Lake. I have to admit some disappointment as I exclaimed, Oh, have we come— all this way for that?" (laughs) She expected so much. After all, this was Zion. Perhaps after a significant effort or contribution you've made, you too felt like you've walked more than 1,300 miles, climbed mountains, slept out of doors. Come all this way for that? This is when patience plays a central role, remembering your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Ruth hadn't come for the valley. She had come to Christ. There were no crowds lining the streets to welcome the travelers to Zion. No brass bands met this party. No one announced their arrival with fanfare. She remembered arriving on a Saturday. We got up the next morning, washed, put on our best clothes, and went to the tabernacle service. All was well in Zion. What does Ruth's experience teach us of patience? Often we expect that our righteousness, our willingness to stand firm, our efforts to be faithful are to be rewarded here, now. But patience born of hope in Jesus Christ reminds us otherwise. Luke said it so well in these words, In in your patience possess ye your souls. Ruth May initially was disappointed by the stark physical realities of her new desert home, but soon her hunger for spiritual purpose supplanted that momentary disillusionment. Like the early pioneers, brothers and sisters, we are on a journey—one that I hope is joyful. This is a great time to be on earth. It's a time of wonder technologically and a time of advancement in so many avenues of academics. It's a great time for the Church. Look ahead to 1997. This can be a better year as you exercise patience of hope in Jesus Christ. I have some suggestions for this new year and your opportunity to embrace patience. First, recognize that patience plays a vital role in making saints. Patience is a constant companion of self-discipline. When Brigham Young first settled the valley in 1847, he said, This is a good place to make saints. He knew settlement of this isolated frontier was going to be hard. In the years ahead, people would learn patience in working in a harsh climate. Patience with one another. Patience with God's work. Patience with their own fortitude. Patience is like happiness. It isn't something you can jot down on a list of things to do, like do the laundry. It comes as we're doing something else. Patients can be lost or found everywhere, at stoplights, in crowds, in long lunch lines, at the library when someone has failed to return the book you needed, when your roommate's problems become your problems, when you can't figure out that calculus problem and you've tried so hard. These are the everyday listings of patients at work. It takes patience to go on a mission and pray for someone to listen. Just listen. Listen. It takes patience to do your home teaching or visiting teaching or care for an elderly parent or a disabled brother or sister. It takes patience to recognize your mistakes and work to correct them and patience to learn how to do something well. Patience is in short supply in so many lives and so critical in all of our lives. Elder Henry B. Eyring has told a story about his father, Dr. Henry Eyring, a renowned chemist and university professor who, in his late 70s, contracted bone cancer, which made movement difficult. As a senior high counselor in his state, he was responsible for the welfare farm. Dr. Eyring and his group worked a long, full day to complete the job of of weeding a field of onions. The man weeding the row next to Dr. Eyring watched as this great university chemist pulled himself along on his stomach with his elbows wrenching up the unruly weeds as he went. It was an awkward process and obviously painful. The cancer in his hips made it impossible for him to to kneel. Yet, as he dragged himself, he smiled, he laughed, he talked happily with his fellow members as they worked in that row of onions. Near the end of the day, after all the onions were weeded, someone exclaimed, Henry, good heavens, you didn't pull those weeds, did you? Those weeds were sprayed two days ago, and they were going to die anyway. Dr. Irene laughed at the error that would have brought fury to so many people's lips. When Dr. Irene told his son that story, Elder Irene looked at his aging father and he said, How could you take it so pleasantly? At that point, Dr. Irene said something that his apostle son will never forget. He said, I wasn't there for the weeds. Sometimes it will be hard to see where you are going, and you will find yourself in the wrong row of onions. But remember this. You didn't come for the weeds. They are merely what you are doing while you learn true patience. Observe the patience of Jesus Christ. Picture him patiently teaching the woman at the well, reaching out to lift Peter as his faith faltered, washing the feet of his disciples in the upper room. He taught patience as he was scourged, as he carried his cross as he was hung among thieves. Second, know that trials and adversity teach and train us. Recognize them for what they are and how they will make us strong and effective. The experience of the Prophet Joseph Smith in Liberty Jail, a filthy hovel, teaches us of patience. He had been taken from his home and young family with no promise that he might return. His people were being persecuted and tortured. Driven from their homes, their farms confiscated, he was locked up in jail, helpless to do anything. He turned to the Lord and received this answer to, O God, where art thou? My son, peace be unto thy soul. Thine adversity and thine affliction shall be but a small moment. And then, if you endure it well, God shall exalt thee on high. This was a firm reminder to have patience and hope of Jesus Christ. In the Book of Mormon, Alma also speaks of the difficulties which beset his people when the hearts of many were hardened. Now, This was a great trial to those that did stand fast in the faith. Nevertheless, they were steadfast and immovable in keeping the commandments of God, and they bore with patience the persecution which was heaped upon them. I was visiting with a neighbor's family who had traveled to Salt Lake for the holidays. I asked how they liked their ward in their distant city, and Hannah said, Carrie likes it, but I don't. Sister Jack, I'm having a hard time. I'm the only Hispanic in the ward, and they're not friendly to me. They ignore me in the hallways, and sometimes I don't go at all. My heart went out to this usually happy and gregarious woman. I said, be patient with them. Maybe you are there to help them learn understanding, and it will take time. Sometimes our pattern and response to difficulty is to circumvent the situation rather than to step back and try to learn from it. We become immersed in the circumstances and lose sight of the long-range goal. A better approach is to do what we can, being steadfast and immovable in keeping the commandments and carrying in our hearts the assurance that the Lord is with us, and our patience will turn the tide. The scriptures often couple patience with the word long-suffering. For instance, in Colossians we read, "...strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness." Have you ever wondered about long-suffering? It doesn't mean that patience is a painful process. To suffer in this context means to tolerate, to hold out, to allow, to nurture growth in ourselves and others. I do not equate long-suffering or patience with submissiveness or lack of energy. Quite the opposite. This form of patience is persistent in reaching goals. Patience of hope is submissive only to the Spirit of the Lord. Sometimes the most important thing we do is suffer long on behalf of others. Sometimes it helps just to keep a sense of humor. We can easily get distracted and use up our supply of patience on things that have no eternal significance. I have a good friend who was a writer. One day not long ago she was pressured to complete an assignment and print off a lengthy script. Her printer jammed so many times that after four hours she decided her next move would be to smash that machine to pieces. So she went to the kitchen to fix dinner. She put a can in the fairly new but unreliable electric can opener and it went around and around with the blade not cutting open the lid. This was the last straw. She picked up the can opener, marched over to the garbage can, threw it away, and she felt much better. (laughs) Don't take too seriously the things that really don't matter. Third, the scriptures inspire us to be patient. In particular, they might remind us, be patient with one another. In Romans, we read, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. This scripture brings comfort, and it prompts patience of hope. Next time everything is unraveling around you, sit down and read the scriptures. The scriptures also include stirring examples of showing patience with each other. We are all familiar with the account in Matthew when the king took an accounting of his servants and he found that one owed him ten thousand talents. He called the man before him and demanded payment, threatening to sell the servant, his wife, and the children for payment. The servant fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. The king relented and forgave him the debt. The same servant then went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. Listen to this plea. And the fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not. The king hears of this act, and he calls the wicked servant before him, whose debts he had forgiven, and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due him. The message to show patience to each other could not be more clear. At a particularly busy day during the Christmas season, a woman in my neighborhood, Marian, a mother of twelve, was in line at a local specialty store picking up 5 smoked turkeys for her family gathering. Chatting with the woman behind her in line, Marion mentioned the size of her order, and the other woman quickly suggested that since she had only one turkey to pick up, that couldn't and she was in such a hurry, couldn't she just step ahead with her order? My friend smiled and motioned the bustling shopper ahead. Then the next woman in line said, I'm in a huge hurry as well, and I have a long way to go, and since you're picking up so much more than I, couldn't I just pick up my order too? My friend nodded again. When she finally reached the counter, the clerks looked at her and said, We watched what happened and how you handled it. We want to give you these turkeys at half price. (laughs) In Romans we read, Be like-minded one toward another according to Jesus Christ. Patience with hope in Jesus Christ means we follow his example in the way we treat each other. Have you ever taken advantage of someone's good nature? How many times have you wanted to fall before your friends or fellow members of the Church, those with whom you work or live, and say, Have patience with me? Others may have bad days, too. Be patient. Don't be like the servant in the story in Matthew who took the man who owed him by the throat. Show love for those who who use you or fail you. Reach out to those floundering in their mistakes. Give them a hand. The early pioneers had to cross the plains to reach Zion. But we can have Zion right where we are by sharing with each other pure, patient hearts. Patience is an expression of spiritual maturity. Patience brings balance into our lives. Ruth May and her fellow pioneers sang All Is Well on the Plains by Firelight. Today that song is sung in dozens of foreign languages in small and large congregations around the whole world. The growth of this Church testifies that the gospel is the same in every tongue. We have a bold and endearing message for the world, and when it is shared, it changes lives. People grow and mature in spiritual ways and they become closer to God. This fall I visited Mongolia. There are more than 600 Saints building the kingdom of God in a country that until recently was to me only a name on a map, and that was at the end of the earth. These people are accepting the gospel, and the Spirit is with them, and they too sing All Is Well. They have no chapel and no stakes. There are a handful of proselyting missionaries and some wonderful couples helping establish the work through teaching English at the universities. The Mongolian Saints are just beginning their journey to Zion. The most exciting part of the gospel in Mongolia is that there are already 23 elders and sisters from that country serving as missionaries in many parts of the world. Think of the surge of strength these missionaries will bring back to their fellow members when they return with their experience and their knowledge. Now is their time for patience—patience of hope in Jesus Christ. The Church in Russia is only a few years ahead of the Saints in Mongolia. In a recent letter to me, some Russian sisters described the patience required in accepting the gospel in their country—or in any country, for that matter. Listen to the sequence they describe. Baptism is just the beginning of a long journey. Having joined the Church, we have accepted a new mode of living, which is far from being easy for a grown-up person. Being a member of the Church is not a guarantee against any problems in our life, and it is very important to understand that. On the contrary, it is just the beginning of hard work. It is necessary to change one's way of living to get rid of many old habits and to acquire new ones it takes time they understand the prolonged need for patience of hope they wrote we are constantly praying for our neighbors for our friends and foes for our spiritual sisters and brothers throughout the world for our long suffering country for all the people on the earth and for our world we believe The Lord God hears the prayers of the righteous people, and we are doing our best to fulfill the commandments, to regularly attend our Sunday meetings, to find joy in serving in our callings, to love our neighbors, and to strengthen each other and our families. It is a great blessing for us that the only true Church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, has come to us in Russia from Africa. Africa comes another example of being patient in the gospel. Robert Israel Muhili was one of the first converts from Tanzania, and he accepted the gospel while he was studying at a university in Cairo, Egypt. His decision to join the Church brought him great joy and peace, and he was anxious to share his new knowledge with his family. A year later, Robert, by then an elder, returned home to teach his family. He was unsuccessful. His relatives had no interest in his newfound religion, and he found himself all alone, 600 miles from the nearest branch of the Church. Robert went to the mission president and received permission to administer the sacrament to himself each week. The next Sunday he invited his family to attend his worship service, but no one came, so he held his meetings alone. This is his poignant description of his Sunday meetings. I prepared water and bread. I also had more water to clean my hands and a small towel. I sang a song to myself out loud. I had my hymn book. After that, I offered an opening prayer. Because I was alone, I didn't have any business to do. So (laughs) So I sang the sacrament hymn and prepared the sacrament then i knelt and blessed it and took after the sacrament i covered it as we respect it always i offered myself a talk my testimony then i sang as we did in sunday school and then read from gospel principles i finished with a prayer i then attended priesthood meeting <laughs> After singing a hymn, I said a prayer and then read a lesson from the priesthood manual. After that, I finished by singing and offered the closing prayer. Each Sunday, I had all three meetings, but when I partook of the emblems, it helped me to be more worthy. It was with patience that members cut off from the rest of the world by the Iron Curtain waited for decades to incorporate religion in their lives. Their governments had forbidden Church meetings and missionary work. In the meantime, the few LDS Church members did what they could to live close to God. They fasted the third Sunday of every month for the return of the missionaries. When the wall finally came down, a young missionary, one of the first sent into East Germany, exclaimed, it was a great honor to be the answer to someone's 40-year prayers. Temples too, have brought blessings to those who have waited patiently. Today there are 49 temples in countries all around the world. Nine more are under construction, and temples have been announced for Massachusetts, Montana, Tennessee, and New York in the United States, and for Mexico and Venezuela. Already the sisters in Russia pray constantly for the continued growth of the Church there so that a temple might be built in that land. Years ago... Ruth May walked across the plains for the Lord. Today, a young man in Africa sits alone, holding his Sunday services and renewing his covenants. The Saints in Russia and Mongolia are holding fast to the gospel. The spiritual principle of patience is exercised by them all. They reflect what is said so well in Hebrews, Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Run with patience suggests determined movement. Each one of us can cross the finish line. This year, focus your attention on strengthening the quality of patience. It is a characteristic prized by the Lord, for he is infinitely patient with each one of us. Let me close with a poem of Walt Whitman's, one that could sit at the front of our, each of our journals. In this poem, A noiseless, patient spider. Whitman compares the ceaseless work of a spider spinning a web to the human experience. A noiseless, patient spider. I marked where on a little promontory it stood isolated. Marked how to explore the vacant, vast surrounding. It launched forth filament, filament, filament out of itself, ever unreeling them, ever tirelessly speeding them. And you, O my soul, where you stand, surrounded, detached in measureless oceans of space, ceaselessly musing, venturing, throwing, seeking the spheres to connect them till the bridge you need will be formed, till the ductile anchor hold, till the gossamer thread you fling catch somewhere. O my soul, ceaselessly musing, venturing, throwing, seeking, These are the works of patience, till the bridge you will need be formed. That bridge is the patience of hope in Jesus Christ, and it reaches to heaven across our mortal life, this ocean of space. The new year is before us. It brings the promise of a host of new experiences, and it brings challenges, joys, and sorrows. These are the building blocks of our souls, so we will take back with us to our Father in Heaven only those things that reside inside. The little spider launched forth filament, filament, filament out of itself tirelessly until the anchor hold. Patience of hope in Jesus Christ is like those gossamer threads, strong enough to catch and hold securely and anchor our souls to Jesus Christ and all eternity. In the Doctrine and Covenants we are told, Ye are not able to abide the presence of God now, neither the ministering of angels. Wherefore, continue in patience until ye are perfected. May we seek that blessing and be patient in the process, is my prayer, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.